On today's show... You know, it's scary for a lot of people that aren't used to it, but honestly, it's the best wealth builder. You're providing quality homes to people because that's one of the important things for us as far as investors. We want to invest in things that can make us proud. And so many people, they can't afford houses for themselves. Everyone deserves a quality home. So our businesses actually have the terms quality homes in them because that's so important to us. Welcome to Wealth Building with Friends. I'm Usha Patel. Our partners, Melanie and Josh McAllen, will join Bob and I as we meet families just like yours. Our guests come from all walks of life. Successful sales professionals, business owners, consultants, contractors. This podcast will explore the why behind investing and dig deep into the power of relationships, no matter where you are on your personal investment journey. Learn side by side with all of us. We're glad you're here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another version of Wealth Building with Friends. In this episode, we have myself, Bob Wells, as your host, along with the wonderful Usha Patel and the amazing Josh McAllen. Oh, so nice to be with Usha, Bob. I'll tell you that you two of us are so lucky. I don't have my lovely wife, but uh, I was just going to say, um, and we're missing uh, Melanie. Yeah. We try. <laughs> We're trying to get everybody here. It's hard, but at least we have our great guests. And we, we, we have our listeners around the table with us so that we can learn from Aaron and Elena Powell, which are our guests today. Welcome, Aaron and Elena. Thank you, Bob, Josh, Risha. Welcome. for having us. Yeah. I mean, how long have, have you and I known each other, Aaron? It must be... Oh, 2017. 2017. It's actually May of 2017 is when we first met. Yeah, it's, and it's been a, it's it's been a great uh, it's been a great experience knowing you. Yeah, same here. The uh, we actually first met at your financial mastery class. Oh, that thing uh, is right, <laughs> <up, laughs> right after I joined uh, Keller Williams, and uh, so but yeah, that's when we first met. That's the only reason why I remember that date. So. We have we have another one coming up in September. So anyone who's listening, if they send us a quick email uh, to whatever email we have here at Wealthville. We could do it. Yeah, we're using investor relations at Accountable Equity. Investor That'll always get you. At accountableequity.com. If you send us a quick email, we'll get you information and get you lined up for a financial mastery, 15-hour program, help you uh, move your life from working for money to having your money work for you. So a quick plug there. Aaron, tell I, me. I want you to plug that. That's a good, <laughs> by the way, that's a great thing to tell everybody who's listening. That Aaron, well, you said you've been through this. Please, as the story goes on, we got to let the, the audience know how wonderful that is. So sorry to interrupt you there, Aaron. And for me, you know, um, from the very beginning of meeting Aaron, it's always been very interesting how our conversations always went around uh, wealth creation, mm -hmm. investing, you know, sure, we may talk about real estate and other things. And it, it kind of just always came back to the thing is, how many of you listening are having those conversations? Because if we're not having those conversations, chances are it, it's hard to expand our mind and the opportunities around that. So because you're listening to this already, that tells us that you are. And That's so right. we, we're, looking, we're excited about a really great session ahead. So Aaron, tell, tell me a little bit about you and Elena. You guys can fight it out who wants to go first, but tell us a little bit about you and where you come from and, and how you got where you are today. I'll start. I'm usually the talker of the two. So I, 
I'm a realtor. I've been a full-time realtor since 2017, part-time since 2014. Prior to that, I was a financial advisor for about 10 years. So that's so now I'm just doing full um, real estate full-time now. So, and I've been a veterinarian for 21 years, uh, something I always knew I wanted to do since I was a kid. Um, love taking care of people's beloved pets, dogs, cats, birds, rabbits, reptiles, any <laughs> kind of pet, I'll, I'll take care of them. Uh, so you're, you're a service-oriented human being. So we both are. I mean, that's one of our passions. We want to help make people's lives better. Mm-hmm. So, so as a veterinarian, I'm imagining you've got a very busy schedule all the time. All the time. Go, go, go. Just like a realtor, it is not a nine to five job. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then you add on to she's really active into Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and uh, other volunteering things uh, as well, too. So she, she definitely has a full schedule. Spending time with family is important to both of us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we do you know, everything we can for our two kids. We have a 13-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. Teenagers, God bless you. <laughs> and then we, we were we were talking about your furry furry family as well. How important it is uh, when it comes to family that they're a big part of our families as well. So they are two cats, a dog, and two ferrets. So we've we've got a full house. <laughs> so uh, tell me about this because you're both professionals. You come from the financial world, and, and of course, Elena comes from the, the medical world. How did you make the switch to thinking? Wow, maybe we should start thinking about investing. What 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 was the catalyst for that for the two of you? Well, it actually I'll take the blame for that one. <laughs> yeah, it actually started back in '95 uh, uh, before I joined the Navy. Uh, I my brother got me on at the Carpenters Union out of uh, the Omaha, Nebraska Hall. Uh, so I was a carpenter Monday through Friday. I waited tables at TGI Fridays, like four nights a week. And then on the weekends, I stocked beer shelves at grocery stores. So here I am, I'm working three jobs and not going anywhere. Financially, I was actually getting further in debt and, and did not have good habits. I you know, didn't have any focus or anything. And finally, uh, I, I decided, my, I was living with my sister at the time and, and she was going to school to be a pharmacist at, at a the three of my siblings, uh, she's the brightest one. She, so she's a pharmacist and uh, she's great. But so she went away for a vacation and she comes back and uh, she saw a hat on the uh, coffee table that had Navy on it. And uh, she asked me, she's like, what'd you do? <laughs> and I was like, what, what are you talking about? Uh, she's like, you joined the Navy, didn't you? And I said, I did. And her very next words were, but you don't like people telling you what to do. And I said, you're right. I don't, but <laughs> I, I needed it. Uh, and up to that point in my life, that was the best decision I'd made. Uh, and so, you know, the, I get out of boot camp. My first call was to my mom. And I said, Mom, what was that budgeting thing you tried to teach me about, you know, all those years ago? And, uh, and so like a good mom, she said, all right, what are your debts? And so we piled them up and she said, all right, we're paying this one off first and then the next one. And, and so over the next three years, I lived on the ship. You know, I, I basically almost all my money went to pay off my debt. Uh, and so... Uh, two, after my second deployment, we pulled back into port, and this is 1998, and, and uh, I had about $3,000 saved. And I went to my seniors and I said, hey, what should I do with this 3000 And they're like, oh, put it in the stock market. You'll do great. And I'm thinking, yeah, rich people put money in the stock market. <laughs> I, I need to do that too, right? So I, I called a broker. The first thing the broker said, well, asked me was, how much money do you got? And I said, I got three grand. He's like, don't bother coming in, but <laughs> I'll mail you some stuff, okay? <laughs> and so 
you know, because financial advisors and brokers, they're looking for hundreds of thousands, million yeah. dollar accounts, yeah. not a $3,000 account. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him credit because he did mail me out a couple of prospectuses. And back then, mutual funds were paying anywhere between 8 and 10%. That's pretty and quick math tells you that, you know, a 10% on 3000 over a course of a year is 300 bucks. Right. And that's maybe 10%, right? And, and I'm thinking, that's not a lot. You know, that, uh, <laughs> there's got to be another option out there. And so in a lot of families, there's one or two people that did really well financially. Uh, my parents did pretty good, uh, that high income earner, those types of things. But uh, they came from a family that uh, didn't know anything about saving or, or investing and that sort of thing. And so uh, in my family, it was my, my aunt, dad, and Uncle Wayne. So uh, I called my uh, aunt, dad, and I said, Dad, what should I do with this money? I got these guys telling me I should put it in the stock market. And she's like, yeah, we got money there, but really at your age, you need to buy a house. I'm like, buy a house. I just got out of debt. Now you want me to get <laughs> thousands of dollars in debt? She's Sounds like, scary, doesn't it? It was very scary. Yeah. And, and uh, so I was like, well, what happens if I get out of the military in nine months or, or if I stay in and I get stationed out on the, the West coast, she's like, it's okay. You can always hang it on to it as a rental or you can sell it and not understanding anything that goes into the cost of buying and selling. But I knew that she had my best interest at heart. Now, I was laying in my rack and I'm trying to decide I've got two people's advice I should follow. Who's, who's advice? Now, prior to the military, you couldn't pay me to read a book. You know, to this day, I can't pay my dad or my brother uh, to read a book. My dad was a great manager. He can manage people and, and, and very handy. My brother's a carpenter. I mean, one of the best carpenters I've ever worked with. Uh, so they're brilliant in, in their own ways. But when it comes to reading, they, they just never had a passion for it. But whenever you're out at sea, you have three options. You can play video games, you can watch movies, or you can pick up, pick up a book and read. And uh, at, after being out at sea as much as I was, uh, I got tired of playing video games and watching movies, and I picked up a book. And it was just started with the Star Wars book. And then it went to a Tom Clancy book. And then it went to business and success books. And, and uh, one of the books that I had just finished reading uh, right around the same time was called The Richest Man in Babylon. Oh, wow. And, and so I'm laying in, in my rack thinking, whose advice should I take? And in there is one of the rules of gold was take advice from those that are knowledgeable in the subject that you're seeking, right? Um, so I look at my seniors. They were doing well uh, in the military at the end of 20 years. They get benefit, you know, free, you know, uh, their benefits, retirement benefits, income, that sort of thing. But they're away from their family for a lot of that 20 years. I look at my aunt and my uncle. They're doing well financially, but they get to spend time with their family. Mm. Time, I had no, no, ki no kids, no girlfriend, no wife. But I knew eventually I wanted that. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to follow my aunt's advice. And something inside me just that it just felt that was the right decision. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody that I worked with said I was crazy. Uh, I didn't care. Uh, but uh, I went out and I bought a house. And for the first month, I had zero furniture in it. I uh, didn't care. I'd sleep in bag. I was proud. First. Uh, <laughs> how, old, you know, how old were you back then? Aaron? I was 24, I think, 24, 25. Now, I also had a second job waiting tables at, at that, you know, oh, so yeah. instead of everybody else going out to the bars and stuff, I did that too much when I was younger. And so, so I wanted to do the responsible thing. And so I found that in my spare time, it's much better to work and make money than to go out and, and blow it. And so uh, a week after I closed, uh, my, my life changed. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, Elena, uh, her and her family came into uh, the restaurant I was waiting uh, tables at. And I ended up, I waited, I waited on her table. Um, and so at that time, uh, she was uh, at school. Still in back school. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, up here in Pennsylvania. 
And, uh, and so one of the things that she had mentioned was that she liked was when I first met her, I said, yeah, I just bought a house da, 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 da. <laughs> knowing full well had zero furniture in it. <laughs> Didn't care about, you know, I, I was proud. And so, so anyway, so if we fast forward, uh, I get out of the Navy. I moved back home to Iowa. I, I moved in with my brother. I still, well, I kept the, the place there in Virginia beach and I hired a local realtor to manage it. Veterans Realty, right? So they're out of business now. But <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so I had them manage it. I moved back home, moved in with my brother. I got a job at a bank Monday through Friday. Uh, I went to school full-time because I wanted to finish my degree. Uh, and then I talked to my aunt and I said, hey, I, I want to find an investment property. So she helped me find a house and I did my first flip. Um, and then I took that money and then I bought it. It was an up-down duplex. Uh, but it had a livable basement. Now I couldn't rent the basement, but there's nothing saying I couldn't live in the basement. So, so I lived in the basement and I rented out the other two and it paid for my mortgage. Um, now, did, did you have Elena living in the basement too, or do you, you hadn't met yet? No. Uh, We'd still met, but I was still at home finishing school. Okay. Okay. I was yeah. just wondering if she was in the basement. All right. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's actually, yeah. But uh, so we, we fast forward a little bit. So I, so I lived there, bought another place. Uh, I tried a partnership uh, with uh, one of the guys I worked with. That was very short-lived, and, and I bought him out after a month. Uh, and I, I, so I fixed that up. I turned that into a rental. I, and this was before, I guess, the Burr method, uh, which is the buy, rehab, and uh, uh, refinance. And never heard of it before, but that's what, what I ended up doing. And at that time, since I finished that, I had graduated, and then Elena had graduated out here in Pennsylvania. And I said, hey, Lena, why don't you come out to Iowa? And she's like, hey, no. <laughs> How about no? And um, so I'm thinking, hey, I just graduated. You know, I, I want to go into the finance world. I want to be a, a financial advisor, stockbroker. There's some opportunity in Oklahoma or in uh, Omaha at the time, but there's a bunch of opportunity out in the North Philly area. Sure. Uh, and I was like, sure, I'll come out here. I give my two weeks notice. A week later, 9-11 happened. Uh, <laughs> And, and I'm like, uh, what should I do? You know, should I still come out here? Because, you know, I know the market's tanking. And, and I'm thinking, I'm confident. I've got a couple of rentals that will help offset some of my, my income needs uh, while I find a job. I was like, so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the risk and, and move halfway across the country and, uh, and start a new life out here. And, and I did. Uh, so I moved out here in October. Uh, and fortunately, I got hired on at the Vanguard Group, a uh, big mutual fund company out of uh, Malvern. And I got hired on in April just as a mutual fund advisor. And, and then I guess come June, our lives changed again. Uh, I was uh, hit by a, a drunk driver head on. Uh, broke both my legs, tore off my foot. Uh, three months I was in a wheelchair. I had to learn how to walk again. Uh, and so that was another three or four months. And, and during that time, uh, I mean, it was amazing because Elena was there the, the whole time. Uh, she was working. She was at home helping take care uh, of me and, and everything else. It was uh, it was a, a pretty big event, but but it, it, it grew us stronger in our relationship and also grew us stronger in our faith as well. But then I go back to work. You know, three months later, I get promoted at, uh, to be a stockbroker. A few months later, I'm a senior stockbroker, and then uh, a couple of years later, I'm a compliance officer. Uh, and then I ended up I moved over to Fidelity Investments. Uh, worked with the high net worth cl uh, clients over there. There's a, a million dollar plus festival assets. Uh, and whenever I started working with them, uh, half of them, half of my clients were 
from the corporate world, right? Trying to take income retirement in, you know, all their savings and turn that into retirement income. And then the other half was from the small business owners. Uh, and those people, I also learned, you know, didn't necessarily have the 401ks or 403bs. They put a lot of their wealth uh, into real estate. Uh, and then they kind of transferred it over uh, over time uh, to liquidate. Uh, so during that uh, time, you know, I still took some classes at night, uh, are still doing the, the Burr method, add into the real estate. So um, how many, how, let me stop you real quick. How many properties did you have at that point by the time you were out um, working with the high net worth individuals? Uh, I think we had, what, about eight properties? Seven wow. or eight? Ooh. Three units. Units. Yeah, probably about five, uh, yeah. four or five properties and then uh, some of them were multi-units as well, yeah. Okay. And what, Elena, you haven't said much. You're, you're yeah. quietly waiting for your opportunity to pounce here. But what, tell me what you, <laughs> what, what were you thinking as he's kind of going through these uh, one after the other, two properties, three properties, four, four units, five units. What was going through your head as a, as a vet, as a professional who really doesn't, that's not your, your kind of world? Exactly. It was, um, I'm not much of a, of a risk taker. So I was a little bit more nervous about that. Um, type of um, situation, but he was passionate about it. And whenever there's passion, you know, you just let him him, him go with it. And, you know, over time, um, I began to see, hey, this is really um, a big deal. You know, he's, he's doing well. And, and yeah, just seeing the passive income coming in, that was real peace of mind, especially as we started having a family. Um, and then as he's starting to get burn out in the financial world, just, I mean, it's, it's tough, it's cutthroat, it's not, we're contribution oriented and really the financial industry is not really to help others, it's to help themselves. Mm. Um, it got to the point where, you know, his passion was, was real estate and, and helping other people. Um, so that's when we said, hey, now's the time to kind of change directions. You know, this is really a good way to go. You're passionate about it. And I got much more comfortable with it. It, it was interesting. The uh, before, as I was starting to do my trans uh, move out here, she was looking for her first house and uh, she's looking at like townhomes and row homes and, and every place that I had lived, nobody ever had townhouses or row homes. And so she's talking to me and here I am, I've got a couple of properties thinking I'm all, you know, <laughs> eligible. I was like, don't buy a townhouse, don't buy a row home. And she's like, no, it's, it'll be fine. It's a lot different out here. And uh, she went out and bought a townhouse and, and it was great. Uh, and so whenever, you know, we bought, uh, I bought a, a three unit and, uh, and I said, why don't we move into one of the small two bedrooms? Cause you can rent your townhouse for more, right? We don't have any kids. It'll be nice. Right. And she's like, that's my baby. That's my first house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if I want other people to live in it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so there, there that some, was hard. That was hard yeah. going from a three bedroom into a one bedroom apartment, <laughs> <laughs> but we still have that, uh, my first yeah. house, my baby. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's been working great. I mean, it's, you know, it's scary for a lot of people that aren't used to it, but honestly, it's the best, you know, best wealth builder. Um, you're providing quality homes to people because that's one of the important things for us as far as investors. We want to invest in things that can make us proud 
And so many people, they can't afford houses for themselves. Everyone deserves a quality home. So our businesses actually have the terms quality homes in them because that's so important to us. Oh, can you say what that means? What, where, where in your business, you're saying your business name includes quality homes? So we have uh, a few different businesses um, and some of them are just LLCs uh, that we hold the real estate uh, in. Um, and then we also have like a property management company called Family Home Properties, uh, my realtor business, uh, our family's agent. So our our focus is really on quality and family oriented. That's beautiful. Uh, we're, we're, you know, uh, I've coached Little League soccer, football. Uh, we sponsor a lot of team, local kids, you know, teams as well. So it's uh, community and giving back and trying to help others is, is a big part of, of who we are. And then you know, we enjoy it. Hi, this is Melanie McCallan. Josh and I are just so grateful for the many investors who already joined us at Accountable Equity. Accountable Equity is so much more than a capital group. It's really a community of accredited investors that want to learn and grow together. I just want to personally invite you, if you want to find out more about this type of investment and see if it's right for you and your family, please visit us at accountableequity.com. You know, there's, uh, if you don't mind me, I step in there, Bob and, and Usha, is it okay? okay. There's this... Uh, First of all, there's a couple of cool things that you've brought up that correspond to great teaching that's going on out there in the world. You brought up the Burr strategy, which is, you said you actually started doing it just by natural. You figured it out yourself, of course, where you took the money back out and were able to do it again. You also mentioned a couple other cool things. You, you still owned those properties, where was it, Idaho, when you came to Pennsylvania, right? Iowa, yep, and Virginia. Iowa. And do you still own them today? Uh, we do not own either of those, but we do have uh, properties in Iowa. Yeah, we have a couple of multifamilies over there. See, so you you also did that other thing that's being talked about today is uh, invest where the money might make sense, but you don't actually always have to live where you invest. So you did that long distance investing thing. But the most important part, most compelling part is the way you and Melanie and I, you know, all, your couple and our couple, we did that house hacking thing the same way you guys did right off the bat. You first get married. Uh, and I had to ask Melanie if it was okay, if we could buy a duplex instead of a house. And she tells the story. She's like, but we were about to buy a cute house. So we, <laughs> we bought this duplex and boy, I think she got the bug back then because that was in the nineties. And she, uh, she still remembers how cool it was. That we had no bills, you know, but because they were covered, the bills were covered. So it was, it's funny how that didn't leave a big enough impression on us though, Bob and Usha. And it should have left a bigger impression. Like we should have pivoted even harder back then, but it's like 18 years later, we learn how to do what we're all here talking about, which is investing with cash flow, which will create some independence from your job. Doesn't mean you have to stop working, but you have some financial freedom. And we're all get talking about, we're talking around it right now, but, and I wanted to ask you to jump forward. I, you brought up another thing, Elena. You, uh, I think you brought it up is that the financial industry was cutthroat and it's a burnout industry. And you said, it's, it's ironic that the people in it are tend to lean towards helping themselves rather than helping their clients. You know, that nuance is new to 90% of the people listening right now. I've always been a little like leery of that whole world of financial advisors. So you're saying just the incentives are not exactly aligned and, and that somehow. Well, I should let Aaron talk about that more. Yeah. So different corporations, different companies have different corporate cultures. Uh, some are much more aggressive than others. Um, so the, uh, the two that I had mentioned 
is I, I'll put it, I'll say it this way. If something were to ever happen to me, I'd want Elena to put their money in one of those two companies uh, because uh, although there's incentive based in, in, in all uh, financial companies, those are the uh, ones that do have, in my, from my experience, do actually have a sincere interest in trying to help their clients. Uh, I did join another firm after Fidelity that uh, had the opportunity of making more money, but it was just, it was just all about making money. Got it. Um, and, and at that time, uh, it was a, it was like a three hour commute, one and a half hour, you know, both ways. Uh, she was, uh, after I joined, uh, she got pregnant with our second child. Okay. And so if you add, you know, a three hour commute to 10 <laughs> hour a day, plus managing rentals, there's no family time. No, there um, isn't. And then plus working at a place I, I did not like. So that's, that's kind of what made the, uh, uh, you know, I came home one day and I said, I'm done. It's like, it's, let me make my, uh, my hobby right of, of real estate make it my career and she's like great i'll support you it's great but uh where are we going to get our benefits from <laughs> oh yeah that's true because you're a veterinarian independently you own your own company no i don't own my own company um i work for somebody so that's where it kind of balanced out especially since i'm not a risk taker i was able to have a steady income with benefits to allow him to expand his passion and kind of grow from there with minimizing our risk because that made me feel more comfortable. What a great strategy for those who are listening, because if you have dual income family, you know, maybe you could design a path like this and eventually tell us the fast forward today. You know, you're a very successful realtor as well, right? Aaron? Yes. Elena, you still are very happy and successful in veterinarian uh, services. So where does the passive income fit in? Are there like three legged stools or is one, you know, tell us how the balance of your portfolio and your cash flow comes in. Um, well, of course, we've got her income. She's actually what, about a year or so ago. She's she's offered. She took the lead uh, doctor role uh, there at the clinic or the hospital that she's at. Um, and then, uh, so we've got her income, which helps pay, I guess, the bills, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the income that I generate from from my uh, job uh, is usually. And, and I learned this through financial mastery. So I'll just circle back to that real yeah, quick. Yeah, that's a good point. Good idea. Uh, you know, so here I am. Well, for the benefit wise, I took a job at a local bank. And did that part, you know, did it full-time assistant manager there. Well, we had our benefits. I got my realtor's license, did a part-time and then full-time. And then uh, whenever I decided to do it full-time, that's whenever I joined Keller Williams because I, I like the, the culture. I like the, the, the training, just, just everything about it, really. Almost everything. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, so I joined Kelly Williams in April of 2017. And then there was an email that came across that said, uh, Bob Wells, financial mastery. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I even talked to Elena. I was like, should I take this? I'm a, I've been a financial advisor now for about 10 years. <laughs> yeah. But I also understood that I am now going full-time into an industry that I didn't know much about how to be successful. At. I knew a lot about real estate and I know a lot about investing, but not how to be a successful realtor. Um, and so I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. And so I went uh, and a lot of the things uh, that Bob taught, I did know, but there was also a lot of things that I didn't know. And that uh, the knowledge that I gained by taking that actually helped springboard me a lot quicker to be more successful as a realtor. And so about to circle back uh, to your question, Josh, so from an income standpoint, of course, we've got we're, most of our assets are in, in real estate. We do still have some paper assets in the, uh, in the market and 401ks and that kind of stuff. But really understanding the market, I'm much more comfortable in real estate, you know, both short term, long term, everything about it. 
while I was uh, at the bank, I had talked to a, uh, a successful businessman. He was probably in his seventies or eighties and, and we developed a friendship. And, and at the time he said, you know, how many properties do you do usually on your own? It's like, I can only do one because I'm, I'm funding it all myself. I'm doing a lot of the work myself, you know, all the risk is mine. And, and he's like, that, that's great, but you're, you're doing it the slow way. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you need to do partnerships or you need to do private lending or you need to do something to help speed that up. And, and I was like, well, there's a lot of risk in that. Cause I remember going to seminars and all these attorneys say, stay away from partnerships or make sure it, it it's all detailed out because, you know, your friends and family. And, and I had that one bad experience in partnership, but you know, my brother and his wife had a bad experience on a partnership. And so, you know, I was like anti partnership. I'm doing this all <laughs> my own. But the way he explained it was whenever you start bringing more people into the deal, yeah, you don't get a hundred percent of the return, but you also don't take a hundred percent of the risk. And then you can also, it also doesn't take a hundred percent of your time to do it either. And so the, the speed of money, you know, it starts to increase. And then it's kind of like when the, the, the bay comes in, all ships rise. And so it's, it's, if you can find a good, you know, group of ships to be a part of, then join it and then let everybody join. You may not get a hundred percent. That's fine. But everybody else participates, you know, in the risk and the, in the return. So and different knowledge too. Yeah, different knowledge, different backgrounds. Uh, we listened to some of the other podcasts uh, that you had on this, which was really good too. So, together, together everybody achieves more. You know, yeah, I, I did want to step back a little bit, really quickly, if you don't mind, Josh and Usha. Uh, you know, I, I think in in Usha, in our case, for Usha and I, and, I, and I'm pretty sure for Josh and Melody, and now for Elena and and Aaron, it seems like all of us at one point stepped back in order to take big leaps forward, had, had, had said, okay, I understand that I'm gonna have to look at delayed gratification as a, as a strategy here. And I know, Aaron, you mentioned that before, you, know, you, you, you were making probably quite a bit more money in the financial world. You could have kept doing it, but you decided, hey, I'm gonna take a step back from that and give myself an opportunity to get involved in investing in a way that I'll have more time and more money in the long run. Yeah. Uh, uh, just uh, is that? Do you, do you remember when that first hit? Was that actually something that was conscious for you, or did that just happen? It was conscious, and it was a, a conversation that both Elaine and I had talked about. Because uh, I knew that taking a step back, you know, we, we did take a cut in, in, in income, um, but we also had the passive income already to help alleviate some of that. Mm-hmm. So we we did tighten the belts uh, and. And we're we're pretty we're pretty frugal uh, as it is. We don't we don't try to overspend what we make, and and then we, we use that money to to invest. And and I, I will have to say one thing I'm really proud and, and glad that uh, about Elena is that uh, during this time as we were trying to uh, accumulate properties, right? So I'm I'm full force. Hey, let's take them. We can buy this, and then let's refinance, and let's buy the next one. And and she's like, well, wait a minute. Why don't we put a little money into the house, or why don't we take a vacation? <laughs> And I'm like, no, we got to do this. And, and uh, she was patient with me. Uh, she really was. And so she allowed me a, a number of years to do that growth. And, and the thing about rental investing, right, it's it's a long play. You know, it's especially if you're just first starting out, you know, if you can make a few hundred dollars positive cash flow a month, you know, after expenses and everything, great. You know, 
you, that's not where you're going to see your return. You're going to see your return in 10, 15 years. Value is going to go up and then your rents are going to go up as well. And that's, that's that, that transition that Josh and I talk about a lot going from the hamster wheel to the golden <laughs> carousel, right? Where you're, you're adding ponies to your carousel all the time. And eventually you could just hop on the pony and have fun <laughs> versus, versus chasing the hamster. You know? <laughs> I love how you guys did that. Well, I mean, I just think the other thing at the beginning, maybe here at the end, as we ask if you have some advice for the for the listeners, I think the best advice that really hit me was at the beginning here of your story. You brought up The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm-hmm. The Richest Man in Babylon is one of those books that uh, people buy in packs of 12 mm-hmm. and hand out to friends, right? Be- I'm trying to remember who the author, who's the author of Richest Man in Babylon? Oh, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I have it on my shelf. I've given it out. And you said the one big lesson you brought up from that, that I just want to, you know, bring here up towards the end is to, the advice you got was to get around success. That book encouraged you to get around the right people. Is that what I remember you said at the beginning of the show? Be careful of the advice you take. Uh, Be careful of the advice you take. You because it's going to be based on the experience of that person. So uh, whenever it comes to hospitality, and wine and uh, developing that side of it, I don't know much about it. Uh, but I do, when we first met, we walked through uh, Renault and in the main tasting area, concrete's all opened up. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it, it was a mess. And uh, you're like, don't worry, it's not going to look that way. And I was like, that's fine. I've <laughs> seen messes before. I'm not worried about what, it, you know. And, uh, and so it was, it was your genuineness uh, and then also the vision that you had. Um, and that's, I, I like the idea of syndicating. This was the my first foray. I've done private investing. I've done hard money loans. I've done all those different things. But this is the first time that I've done syndication, especially at this level. And uh, I, I was, yeah, we, we've been very pleased and, and uh, happy to be a part of yeah. the group. And your vision with uh, of it and keeping the history, you know, alive. Mm-hmm. That was really what drew me in because that's, yeah. I think, just so important to keep the history alive of a, a place like that. It's such an honor to be part of your family's investing portfolio. And by the way, what we're talking about there is that beautiful Renault winery resort. So many of us have on, on this show, of course, have been invested in that, but it's a, it's a, you guys have probably seen sometimes on social media, I walk around, I'm like in shock. I'm like, I can't believe how lovely it is. I mean, it's better. It's, I think you guys probably have seen that too. I mean, we all had a pretty good idea where it would get to, but it's, and of course how beloved it has become in the whole region. So yeah, no, thank you for that little sidebar plug, but you're right. It is such a pleasure to be a part of this together. And that's the friends part, you know, and I think Bob and Usha have always helped me see, we all were simpatico on this, but we all believe that if we're going to invest together, we should build a community together intentionally, Inten- intentionally, because we're going to, it's going to happen anyway, where we're private investors, we're investing in private assets, but what if we could take it and take it seriously and try to add value to each other's life? So you guys have done that. Yeah. And, and, and also, you know, just listening to your story, there's just so many parts of it that kept coming to my mind about, you know, how, how clear you are about your values and what you said, Aaron, is, you know, who is who is the person that you're taking, you know, the advice from? It's also the people who, who you your values are in alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's no surprise that we've all chosen, you know, very similar values of family, contribution, community and win, winning together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so um, I, I love the fact that we get to to have fun creating mm-hmm. wealth 
with yep. friends. <laughs> and, we were, and by the way, Google has has won the day again. The richest man in Babylon, Babylon. <laughs> was written by George S. Classen, C-L-A-S-O-N, for our listeners who want to pick that up. Thank Maybe. you, Bob, for doing that. Great. Well, Yes. Well, Aaron and Elena, if our listeners are, are curious to, to hear more about your story, is there a LinkedIn page that you guys do or Facebook um, that you could share? Well, sure. I've got my business, the company. Uh, OurFamiliesAgent.com. Um, and then, of course, I'm on Facebook, same name uh, or my name. I have a business page and also a personal Facebook page. Um, that's Feel free to reach out to me. Happy to answer any questions, help out any way I can. We briefly touched on, I guess, books and stuff. Um, just a couple other things I, I just wanted to throw in there because please do. That's what I was hoping you would do. Yeah. You, you'd, you'd ask on, on different advice and stuff. And just to get started out, it's a, it's a mind shift uh, going from uh, full-time work to uh, passive investing to, you know, whatever it is, you have to change your thinking. Yeah. Um, a couple of big things that I was, I've always been a big Zig Ziglar fan. Me too. Love them. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then whenever I joined KW, I started to get into Tony Robbins. Yeah, it was a little bit before, but uh, whenever I had the opportunity to, to go see uh, uh, UPW, at least Power Within up in Newark, uh, with Bob and, and the rest of KW, uh, that changed my life. And, and uh, Mine too. Well, it was funny, too, because I, I said, hey, why don't we go up? It's a four-day trip up in Newark. And she's like, what are we going to do? It's like, it's a Tony Robbins event. We're going to walk on fire. fire. What do you mean? <laughs> this is going to be great. And, and she's like... She's like, all right. So she goes to work and uh, go ahead and tells her, tells everybody, uh, the ladies that she works with says, guess what? My husband is so romantic. We're going <laughs> up to New York, going to spend a four day weekend. Newark, not even New York. Yeah. Newark. Uh, Newark, right. Newark, New Jersey. Newark. <laughs> and they said, well, what are you going to do up there? And uh, said, walk on fire. <laughs> so, and it was a uh, mine changing experience i was again i'm the more reserved one and i'm like i don't know i don't know i don't know but we've been to uh two and we're definitely going to go to more and we're going to take our kids as well yeah. so see you in november it's it's right down here in palm beach Palm Beach, yeah yeah, yeah. the first so time one since covid yeah oh, so yeah. we're thinking about it but so zig ziglar uh tony robbins uh big uh Al the alchemist i, I, I heard that. that actually will smith uh during one of his interviews I had mentioned, uh, and I was like, well, hey, I, I got to check that out. And that, that's actually a really amazing book. Um, we also got uh, Think and Grow Rich. We got the Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrants, my favorite out of there. Uh, the Millionaire Next Door and Millionaire Mind, uh, as well as the Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. But uh, the first one that I, I recommend everybody to start with is going to be uh, The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. Uh, really? Never heard that one. Uh, the Strangest uh, Secret. Strangest Secret, yeah. So Josh is feverishly writing all these down. Josh. I, yeah, I Look at my lucky yeah, time. I know. We're, my we're lucky learning, right? We're always getting good tips. <laughs> the Strangest less, is Strangest Secret? Is that secret. what Strangest Secret, yeah. And it's back from like the 1930s. Like he was I like the older guy. stuff, man. I'm a Dale Carnegie guy from the 1920s, man. Yeah, definitely. With friends. Yeah, and actually, that's where he kind of got his uh, start was interviewing some of those guys. That's amazing. You guys are and, a treat. And then the only other um, bit of advice for those people like us, we didn't come with a lot of money, is ask the right questions. You can get a lot of creative financing to finance your first deal. You just have to, you know, start asking lots of different people and, um, you take know, you action. can and, and take action. So you can do it without a lot of money right up front. 
Yeah, we tell the kids anytime they start, anytime they do something for the first time, it's always going to be scary. Same thing for adults. So anytime that you invest, the first time is going to be the scariest. After that, it gets a lot easier. Can I just re-echo that? Because uh, it's funny. I have kids and I don't even put that connection together. You know, we always tell kids it's going to be okay. It's all right. It's not that scary. It's just scary the first time. And you're right. As adults, that's what we all feel about investing. I mean, we all, wherever the edge of our comfort level is, Bob, that's where growth is. And so there is an edge. Everybody has one edge. There's always an edge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Growth is not growth unless we're doing the things that are uncomfortable. Everything we want in life is just outside our comfort zone. Yep. Right on. Right past that comfort zone edge. Hey, we, we appreciate you. We can't wait, can't wait to have you back to a learn and grow in the future. We'll all have some fun, bring the kids. Thank you so much for doing this with all of us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you to all our listeners for joining us today. It's been our pleasure. We look forward to seeing you again on our next version of wealth building with friends. Thank you for joining us at the table. No matter where you are on your personal investment journey, we're glad you came. Join us next time for another engaging episode of Wealth Building with Friends.